chapter 2, and I'm reading from verse 1, Acts chapter 2, and reading from verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asius, Thyagra and Pophamilia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Jerusalem, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we can look into your word and that we can still hear you speaking to us. And that is our prayer this morning, that you would once again, through the power of your Holy Spirit, speak into our hearts and into our minds, into our lives, and through us, into the community around us. In and through the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Well, it is uh, the day of Pentecost, and uh, this morning, I've, uh, this, this week rather, I've, uh, I've been making up new words. Something that I, I do sometimes without meaning to, uh, but this time I'm actually meaning to make up new words. So you don't need to come up to, up to me afterwards and, and correct me on this occasion, although you, you can and, and some of you will, no doubt, but that's okay. Because I've been making up uh, words to do with Pentecost, uh, to help us uh, explore and grapple with this quite familiar uh, story. And the first uh, Pentecost word I'd like to give you this morning is uh, Pentecalm. 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 And uh, this is about a disciple's priority. Pentecalm. Should we say that because it might be a new word to some of you? Pentecalm. Pentecalm. You see, N.T. Wright says, the great Pentecost scene with the wind and the fire and sudden rush of multilanguage speak has confused many because it has been set within the wrong story. It has been held up as the archetype of a particular form of Christian experience, a filling and empowering which transforms sleepy or backsliding Christians into lively and zealous ones. 
You know the idea. The, the idea that uh, some Christians seem to have lost their zing or lost their enthusiasm. And, and what they need is a, is a zapping uh, by the power of God to enable them to, uh, to once again find their zest. But Tom Wright says, but this isn't the story Luke is telling at this point. And he goes on to say, there is nothing wrong with the disciples before Pentecost. They are praying, worshipping, joyfully, followers of the risen and ascended Jesus, simply awaiting further instructions and the power to carry them out. The story which Luke is telling doesn't focus on them and their spiritual experience, though it includes that. Luke's story is about God and God's kingdom and about the sovereign lordship of the risen and ascended Jesus. And that's why I've got Penty Calm, a disciple's priority. Because the priority of the disciples was in following Jesus. Keep calm and follow Jesus. And there's a sense in which that's quite a a relevant word today, uh, to keep calm, uh, to not overreact and to keep following Jesus. That is a disciple's priority. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together. The disciples were together. They were worshipping and praying together. Yes, behind locked doors, but they were together and they were in one place. Now, we're all together and we are in one place. You can be in one place and and not together, and you can be together and not in one place. But these disciples were together and in one place. And why were they together in one place? Well, because... uh, they were pentecalm. They were simply following what Jesus said. On, a, on one occasion, this is in Acts 1, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Notice it's a command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised. Pentecalm, a disciple's priority, is about calmly listening and following what Jesus told them to do. And that's what we find the disciples to do, doing. They didn't leave Jerusalem and they waited. And while they were in Jerusalem and waiting, they followed what Jesus said and what Jesus did. They were praying, they were worshipping together. They'd uh, replaced Judas, they'd found another disciple to take his place. And they were carrying on being disciples of Jesus Christ. A.W. Pink says, the Christian life is a life that consists of following Jesus. A life that consists of following Jesus. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised. They were waiting for the fulfillment of a promise of a gift that Jesus had told them about. Sometimes we have to wait a long time for the promises of God. And sometimes those promises come about much quicker. 
God has perfect timing. Never early, never late. It takes a little patience and faith, but it's worth the wait. Maybe you're still waiting for one of the promises of God in your life. But as you're waiting, make sure you're doing what the disciples were doing. Pentecalm is about calmly following Jesus. Even in difficult and trying times, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors for fear of what might happen to them. Their world was just as crazy as our world is. Their Messiah, the Christ who they had been following, had been crucified. He died. He'd come back to life. He'd met with them for 40 days. And then he had ascended back into heaven. And now it was up to them. Pentecalm is about calmly following Jesus. That's a disciple's priority. was the disciple's priority. And it's still our priority today to follow Jesus in what we do, in what we say, and in how we react to other people. Pentecalm. Are you ready for another word? Can you cope with another word? Another Pentecost word. How's about this? From Pentecalm to Pentechaos. The Pentecalm was the calm before the storm or the calm before the chaos. And Pentechaos is about a disturbing power. Should we say that? Pentechaos. Pentechaos. That's what it was, wasn't it? One minute it was calm. They were calmly worshipping, praying, meeting together. Uh, probably had a, a kind of mini church meeting as they as they decided who was going to take Judas's place as a disciple. Uh, you know, going about their normal business calmly, and then suddenly, do you notice that? Suddenly, uh, they weren't really expecting. They knew that Jesus had promised that the Holy Spirit would come and empower them, but they didn't know what that meant. And suddenly. A sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Do you notice when the Holy Spirit comes, um, the disciples didn't conjure the Holy Spirit up. Um, It was God who suddenly came amongst them. Sometimes you get the idea that some Christians think, you know, if you, if you sing enough songs enough times that you can somehow conjure up the Holy Spirit to come upon us. Or if you, if you follow a certain pattern, the Holy Spirit comes in quite a chaotic and unexpected way. And it is God who does it, not the disciples. The disciples were simply following Jesus' instructions. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Pentechaos. A disturbing power. When the Holy Spirit comes, he has a tendency to disturb us. And sometimes to even disturb us from our practice from our prayer from our worship 
it can be a disturbing experience when the Holy Spirit comes, as the disciples found out. Walter Brueggemann, in his uh, book inscribing the text, he says, Ordinarily, when things seem strange, we gather around the gospel that is familiar and reliable. When things seem too new and threatening, we appeal to a God who is old and established. When everything changes, we sing about a changeless God. Change and decay all around I see, O thou who changest not, abide with me. Ordinarily, except that Pentecost is not an ordinary time. The difference is that it is God's own spirit that causes the strangeness. It is the spirit of Jesus among us who changes everything. Pente, chaos. Pente, chaos. A disturbing spirit. If you've uh, if you've stayed in, in a hotel room, I don't know if you've you've noticed that very often on the inside of the door uh, there's a little sign that you can put outside if you don't want to be woken too early that says "Do not disturb." And sometimes it would seem that that's what we put on our Christian life, isn't it? Do not disturb us. I'm praying. Holy Spirit, can you go away because I'm, I'm praying. Holy Spirit, don't disturb me now because I'm, I'm reading God's word. Holy Spirit, we can be going about God's business and doing godly things. And if we're not careful, we can have our do not disturb sign as God is trying to break through and do something new. Pentechaos is a disturbing power. William Willie Mon, if you call Mr. and Mrs. Willie Mon, would you call your son William? Well, obviously they did. He says this, he says, we build solid brick buildings, bolt furniture down to the floor, print up the service bulletin and deliberately follow the prescribed acts of worship out of an inner fear. We tie everything down, we make church so predictable, so settled and fixed, because in our collective memories, we remember stories like this one, the day of Pentecost. We know that the Holy Spirit has done extraordinary things through the disciples in the past. We know the church can be a risky, dangerous place, what with the living God roaming about. Let's be honest, most of us don't think that the church is a dangerous and risky place. And maybe we don't even think the Spirit of God is roaming about. Pente chaos is about a disturbing spirit that might want to disturb us out of our comfortable Christian living. Are you ready for another Pentecost word? There had to be three, didn't there? My third Pentecost word is Pentechat. We've had Pentecalm, we've had Pentechaos, and now it's about Pentechat. And this is about a disorderly preach. A disorderly preach, a preach that didn't have three nicely, nice, neat points with, uh, with words beginning with the same letters. It was a disorderly preach. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. It was disorderly. It was so disorderly that some people thought they were drunk. That's how disorderly it was on that first day of Pentecost as the disciples spilled out into the streets and began to speak in strange 
tongues. I wonder whether the gift of tongues is related to the gift of the gab. Well, in this case, it certainly was, wasn't it? Because the gift of tongues uh, wasn't for the individual, personal, spiritual experience of the disciple. It was for the benefit of those outside. Interesting, isn't it, to think uh, when the Holy Spirit first came... It wasn't really for the benefit of those who were inside. It was to reach those who were outside. The Holy Spirit came and empowered the disciples so that you can be my witnesses. That was the original reason why the Holy Spirit was given. And there's a danger then in the church that we turn it into a kind of a personal thing for ourselves, for our own benefit, or maybe for the benefit of those within the church that we can use our spiritual gifts, where actually at Pentecost, the empowering of the Holy Spirit enabled the disciples to go out in boldness and proclaim and witness. And the miraculous was that this gift of tongue, it wasn't a spiritual language, it was a language which enabled other people with different languages to be able to hear what the disciples were saying in their own language. Pente chat. It was a disorderly preach. And maybe sometimes we need to be disorderly in our preaching. That we need to allow the Holy Spirit to speak through us for the benefit not of ourselves or those inside the church, but for the benefit of those who are yet to receive the good news of Jesus Christ. When they heard the sound, the crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. And how much do we need that gift today to be able to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ in a language that people outside the church can understand? How much do we need that gift of tongues so that we can proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ in a language that people who don't come to church can hear it in their own language? One of the challenges today for the church of Jesus Christ is to learn the penty chat, to be given that ability to be able to speak to people in a way that they can comprehend what it is that God has done in Jesus Christ. Because the gospel does need to be explained to people. And we need to pray for the power and the gift to be able to explain it. Pentechat, a disorderly preach. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans, then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language. You might be thinking, well, the people outside, they speak the same language as us. But actually they don't. Because we tend to speak a kind of religious language where we know what we're talking about. And that's why often we struggle to talk about Jesus to people outside the church because we don't know what to say. Or we don't know how to explain the good news 
in a way that makes sense to people that have no knowledge or understanding of God or the Bible or Jesus or the Holy Spirit. People that will be asking questions about people that go out and commit terrible acts of evil will raise questions in people's minds about how can there be a good God of love when what we see of religion, it seems to resemble hate rather than love. And we need the language to be able to explain that our God is a God of love and not a God of hate. That our God is a God of peace and not a God of war. And that Jesus came into this world to save those who were lost. Penty chat, a disorderly preach. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowds. Fellow Jews and all who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. Peter was empowered again by the Holy Spirit with the gift of being able to explain clearly the good news of Jesus Christ. And we know he did a good job. We know he did a good job because when he'd finished preaching, 3,000 people responded. So it must have been a a good preach, even if it was a, a disorderly preach. It was effective. It hit the spot. It spoke to people. It challenged people. So there we have it. The day of Pentecost. It's about Pentecost. Which is about a disciple's priority. It's about Pentecost. Which is about a disturbing power. And it's about Pentecost. Which is about a disorderly preach. And our prayer is, Lord, give us that Pentecalm to be able to calmly follow you. Give us that Pentecost to disturb us when we need disturbing. And give us that Pentechat so that we too can speak in a language that people can comprehend. We're going to pause and we're going to Continue to worship God as we meet around the Lord's table and share communion together. And as we prepare to do that, we're going to sing the song, Lord, I come to you, let my heart be changed, renewed, flowing from the grace that I found in you. And Lord, I've come to know the weaknesses I see in me will be stripped away by the power of your love.